Well, hello again, awesomers. It's me. It's your buddy, Steve Simonson. And uh, today I'm going to have just a little bit of um, fun, I hope, uh, talking about a tale of two companies. Um, what I found recently in some of these headlines are fascinating details about success and failure. The, the counterbalance, the yin and yang, if you will, of what makes one company succeed in the same industry where another company fails. And I, I want to just dive in and talk about that just for a minute. So if you, if you're curious why one company that can sell, you know, four or five, $600 million a year succeeds and another one who sells less, or excuse me, that one fails, the big, bigger one fails. And the other one who sells a little bit less uh, succeeds. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, multi hundred million dollar, um, transactions here. Uh, I'm going to dive into that here in just a minute. I do want to point out, I've got a, a little code down at the bottom, uh, festivus.live. It's a uh, website uh, for the Festivus event by Empowery. I certainly welcome any of you all to uh, uh, come along and join us. It's going to be in a winter wonderland of Sun Valley, Idaho, and Awesomers50 is the coupon code that you can use. I'm not a paid shill. I'm just one of the folks who... Uh, loves entrepreneurs and like, likes to hang out with entrepreneurs, frankly. So let's dig into this, this concept of uh, yin and yang. So first, you may have heard the news uh, today, September 7th, that uh, Hero Cosmetics uh, was acquired for $630 million. Uh, they were an Amazon-born brand, and they did a wonderful job of creating a you know, direct-to-consumer concept that was branded. We'll, we'll dive into it a little bit. And I, I don't want to say that I'm an expert on the, their brand and so forth, but I, I've picked up some of the, the news clippings and some of the pieces of the puzzle that line up to make sense to me. In other words, the steps they took uh, helped them accomplish the outcome they got. So that's a wonderful success. A uh, large um, company called Church and Dwight is acquiring the brand for $630 million. Uh, and by the way, that is based on a multiple. Well, first it's 45 million EBITDA, but the multiple was 14 X. So why, why can a company get a 14 times multiple? It's in, in virtually every case I could possibly come up with. It's because it's a strategic buyer. So you may have been led to believe that, you know, given the climate of M and a and kind of Amazon aggregators, uh, squeezing into the operational mode instead of the acquisition mode that deals aren't able to be made. Uh, but that's simply not the case. Uh, now the contrast to that. So that's the, the good news. The bad news is the, the company pharma packs uh, in the last seven or eight days filed for bankruptcy. Now pharma packs has sales over $500 million. In fact, they, they were a, the number one top seller uh, in the past five years, uh, according to Marketplace Pulse, for 1,730 days out of 1,825. So virtually uh, the entire uh, time in the past five years, they've been the number one seller. The, <laughs> the catch, uh, of course, what, what leads to you know, somebody who's doing $1.6 million a day to, to go bankrupt uh, it turns out if you sell at a uh, negative outcome, a negative profit, 
then you are just digging a deeper hole. So uh, again, I don't want to say I'm an expert about pharma packs, but through the industry, you, you learn a few things about how things work. Uh, pharma packs, um, you know, when it released its financials in September 2021, had a 45% gross margin. So that's that's not bad, right? You can you could make a 45% gross margin work uh, in some cases, but the challenge is when you're when you're on the bleeding edge and you're trying to push revenue at all costs, their overhead kind of outpaced the the gross margin, obviously, right? So at the top line, you have revenue, and then you got the cost of goods sold that serves as your uh, kind of gross margin, the difference between those two. Then you have all your operational costs and operations is where the rubber hits the road. So in our first example, you know, we talked about the fact that uh, Acme uh, or excuse me, uh, Hero Cosmetics uh, was able to, you know, put together 45 million in EBITDA. Um, that's earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization, by the way. But that's that's a, a good key metric is, you know, what do you get from the top line of that revenue past COGS, past operations to drop down uh, into your earnings? And then people have different, you know, interest, tax, depreciation, amortization schedule. So that's why they everybody likes to, to gauge earnings based on that, uh, because each company can be uh, quite different in terms of uh, those those latter four categories. So. You know, here you have a, a company that generates 45 million in EBITDA and versus pharma packs, you know, that that was literally selling, you know, um, at a, a positive margin, but a negative operating margin. And that is where the rubber hits the road. And so the part of the point today is to to just describe the environment that we're in. You know, when you think about running a business, I think too often we get wrapped up into the vanity of revenue, right? The old saying, uh, revenue is vanity, uh, margin is, or profit is sanity. You can't sleep at night if you don't have something trickling through to the bottom line. And we get ourselves so whipped up into the top line. Oh, I'm making sales, I'm making sales. And even the cash flow that goes along with that is often, um, well, it's delicious, but it can be misleading. For example, if you're turning over a lot of money, but you owe somebody money, you know, maybe you, you have some debt service or maybe you have taxes that you haven't uh, allocated for, or perhaps you just have good terms with your suppliers. You may have kind of a, a positive cash flow situation showing lots of money in your bank, but not a operating profit. And that fundamentally is, is kind of my message for today. Like you need to get with the program when it comes down to uh, offering very clear uh, differences in how you are operating your business versus your competition. What, what do we mean by that? If you are trying to build a business, first of all, there's survival, right? That, that's why I put the survivor logo uh, in the, uh, the stream uh, preview. Like you need to outwit, you know, outplay and outlast your competition. And you do that through having a very solid operational foundation. Like, it's not an option to just run at a negative margin. By the way, the, the company Farmer Packs we talked about, you know, how did they achieve fast growth? Well, they did it through selling at a, you know, very rapid pace, but they had to go raise money. They raised institutional backing. 
And by the way, the, the filing in Delaware for their bankruptcy says chapter 11, but uh, some of the press I've seen said that, you know, they, they laid off 170, 180 people. I don't remember the exact number. And they're expecting to uh, do a wind down, which means full liquidation. Uh, not, not like we're restructuring, but full liquidation because there's no um, additional financing uh, in the offing. And what that means to the rest of us is that, you know, all of that work, all of those employees, there's another 350 or 370, I don't remember the number, that are going to be working on winding that thing down. And, you know, that's a, a pretty thankless job, right? Because it's there's no good days in that scenario. Uh, nevertheless, it has to be done. So you can you can you know learn more about these things, uh, but the 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 tipping point for them, you know, at PharmaPax was they they were counting on using this cash burn and then getting a SPAC merger, kind of with their institutional stuff. Uh, you know, all those people who put money in were going to kind of get made whole in the SPAC merger. But SPACs have been, um, which by the way stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. SPACs have been kind of poo-pooed in the last six to nine months, you know, where two years ago, this was probably a decent idea. Uh, today, it's not going to work. And uh, SPACs are a weird thing in most respects. No, not worth getting into here because it's, uh, it's no longer a uh, prevalent thing. So, you, you, you know, the tale of two companies, right? You got uh, Pharma Packs over here selling 1.6 million a day on Amazon. By the way, they are selling at lower prices typically than most other com of their competitors because they had kind of some some wholesale um, advantages with with another either their relationships or another part of their business. I'm not sure how that put together, but it's really hard for other people to compete with them. So one must consider, you know, what does that mean for that market? And they're reselling and mostly doing kind of wholesale uh, brand products. What does that mean? And uh, contrast that with, you know, our, our kind of native born Amazon brand, Hero Cosmetics, it's their own private label. They have a better margin. Now, because they, they haven't released as much public info um, about their sales and about their margins, we don't have all of those details. So I, I can't tell you, you know, what's their, what's their margin and what's their operational costs and, and how do those contrast with pharma packs line for line. But the, the outcome tells us all we need to know, right? One uh, is now going bankrupt and, and basically laying off 500 plus people. And the other is uh, being acquired by a giant company for over $600 million. So there's a few lessons here. One I've already talked about, um, the 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 you know the lesson of operational kind of excellence that's lesson one there's another lesson of you know it turns out margin matters right and and by that i'm not talking about the operational cost i'm talking about the choice to sell a private label brand to build equity into your own brand because you know if if you had a private brand let's just say pharma packs was selling their own stuff uh, there would be some inherent value there at that volume um, again, assuming they could get operations under control. So that's one, two. And the third is deals are still happening, uh, although they're going to be far less frequent. It's going to only be focused on high quality deals and most often strategic deals. To be honest, you know, these guys probably could have got 18 to 20 times earnings, you know, two years ago. 
But the reality is, um, you know, the market is where it is. And 14X is not too bad for a $630 million uh, outcome. So, you know, kudos to them. That's really, really smart. And this, this shows that, that line of what does it take to build a brand starting on Amazon? Make that your proven ground. That has become the new norm. And, and I think it's actually quite good. You know, Amazon <laughs> has their pluses and minuses, as I like to say. I uh, 49%, uh, love them, 49% hate them. And 2% of the time, I'm in a state of flux. Um, but regardless of my opinions, the outcome is lots of customers are there. And when, you know, the, uh, the Amazon overlords allow you, you can sell stuff and you can get margin and you can start getting velocity and you can start building on that uh, again and again and again. And that's that's why, you know, Hero Cosmetics is able to generate a $630 million valuation where, you know, our friends at PharmaPax faced the end of the road, right? I'm not, I have no schadenfreude for um, an e-commerce company going bankrupt. Uh, I, uh, you know, I've found uh, that experience myself after selling to a venture capital group. They, they took a, a nice company that I had built and they put it in bankruptcy within two years. So I have great empathy for the folks at PharmaPax. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm using this example to talk about, you know, the operational outcomes and the strategic decisions that were made going in that led to those positive or negative outcomes as uh, a consequence, uh, mostly for learning purposes, not to dance on anybody's grave over here. So uh, kudos uh, to, you know, the folks at Hero Cosmetics. I'm sorry for the folks at PharmaPax, but let's not kid ourselves. This is a very brutal survivor-like environment, right? Packs are being made, uh, schemes are being laid in, and it will be survival of the fittest. It doesn't mean that e-commerce is not a great place to be. I think it's the best place to be. I, I've thought that for over 20 years and it remains true today. There still is a wonderful way for you to launch on Amazon, rank that thing, prove the concept, and then figure out what other channels you wish to extend into. Maybe there are other marketplaces. Fine. Maybe there are other geographies on Amazon. Fine. Uh, or maybe they're into other sales channels vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, you know, big box or, you know, wholesale or distribution or what have you. I'm agnostic about what those plans are, but I want there to be a plan. That's, that's kind of what I'm telling you is if you focus on getting your operations tight, right. And I have said this now for the, the past um, six, nine months, like you've got to get tight. There's no more room for slopping the gears as the tide goes out, the rocks show up You've got to navigate around those rocks and those those obstacles, uh, metaphorically, the rocks, they are things like, you know, sourcing. What, what's happening with your sourcing? How can, concerned are you about that changing, uh, let's say, in the next 12 months, maybe the next 24 months? Have you considered what alternatives may exist for your sourcing channels? Then when we talk about shipping, right? It's, it's kind of a, a bell curve on shipping. It went really high. Now it's starting to drop again. Fine. Uh, that doesn't mean that shipping will be this, you know, kind of static and, you know, getting better and better. I do expect it to improve from a cost basis as demand drops, 
but there will be potential some other supply chain shocks. Uh, for example, COVID zero continues to be a thing in China. Uh, right now, uh, Chengdu is locked down. Seven out of 10 districts in Shenzhen are locked down. There's, there's nearly 100 million people in some sort of, uh, let's just call it modified lifestyle in China right now. And that's not good for the supply chain. And this is, you know, what we call the bullwhip effect. There are aspects of, of the supply chain that, that take time to recover. And, and I may talk about that uh, more in the future. So get your operations tight. If you do not have a very good understanding of a, you know, profit loss statement, cash flow statement, balance sheet, then, you know, Find a, a good accountant or a CPA or a CFO or somebody to give you advice. They don't even have to be full-time, right? They could just be a couple hours a month. But find somebody who can help you look at those, those parts of your, your, your financial documents and help you interpret them. And if you don't have financial documents, then we need to start, you know, solve for X. And, of course, uh, Empowery has lots of these resources. I'm a volunteer there. I'm not a paid guy there. I, I uh, volunteer my time because I believe that entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs is a good thing. And that we can remain independent, but we can do it together. And so uh, I, I want to just uh, leave a couple other notes here. If you uh, are anxious to kind of learn what I mean by, you know, how do we get it tight? How do we, you know, uh, position our private label to be the positive outcome instead of the negative outcome, come and join us at Festivus dot live and you can buy your tickets you see the coupon code on the screen uh, i see my uh co-founder of empower evan he's right there uh thanks uh for joining today evan and by the way evan and i will be in sun valley idaho for festivus uh you'll see other luminaries of the industry uh travis ziggler kevin king matt parker uh ashlyn uh, ashley Haddon, uh so many others um and the objective is to come together have a great kind of uh, environment, uh, particularly the VIP experience will be something special because we're able to just have a small group, let's say, you know, 30, 40, maybe 50 VIPs that we can all get to know each other over the course of three days. You know, it's we're, we're doing some content, but we're not over overdoing the content. We want to have content to be like the spark of ideas and get people's juices flowing and then do breakouts or even just kind of lounging around eating and drinking so that we can network together and talk about, you know, our individual businesses situations and help each other. And I, I just returned uh, from a, a similar concept uh, with great effect. I won't go into the details because it was kind of a uh, under the radar event, but the principle is the same as the old Catalyst 88 or some of the past Empowery visits or the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, like let's bring in really smart people, let's let them help each other, and let's let you know some of the 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 venue be a, a a change in scenery that helps fire off those synapses, right? When you're looking out the windows at a beautiful scenery and you're you're hanging out with other people, you're outside the office. This is where those neural pathways start to open up, and you start to make new connections. Uh, both figurative and literal, right? You're making a new connection. Hi, uh, I'm Steve and we're shaking hands. But also, you know, the the kinds of connections where you're like, I never thought about this problem being solved like this. Why not 
you know, give that a shot. Or I never knew about this particular resource or this particular strategy or even tactic. Golly, isn't it great that I now know this? And, you know, whether you act on it right away, I think there's going to be plenty of actionable uh, tactics and strategies, or you just add it to your database to make future connections, right? Steve Jobs had a great video. You can go look it up on the, the YouTubes where he talked about, you know, the ability to look back and connect the dots is what makes experience so valuable. And the now CEO of Amazon, Andy Jassy, has one of the, my favorite quotes uh, about this, which is experience has no compression algorithm, right? That you can't hack experience. The, the closest you can come to it is to hang out with a bunch of people like Evan and myself and Kevin and the gang. Maybe that's the name of the band, Evan, Kevin, Steve, and the gang. Uh, and all of that experience pulled into one area. That's what Festivus.live is all about. And that will take you to a ticket page um, if you wish, uh, you can use the discount code. If you want to pay full price, all the better. Empower is a nonprofit and we can use your support. Uh, a special thanks to Elevate Brands, who's the, the Powered By sponsor. And we, we couldn't put on the, the show without them. And, and we couldn't offer these uh, great discounts without them uh, because they're helping us uh, carry the water on the event. Uh, among the other fine sponsors also listed at Festivus. Uh, dot live. And so if you, by the way, that's a, that's a website festivus.live. If you enter that into your, your browser, it will show up on your, the uh, Festivus 2022 page. So remember the lessons of the day. You got to get tight on operations. And if you, if you don't understand what I mean, then stay tuned. We're going to have more of these types of episodes in the, the coming weeks where we talk about you know, here's how you get your SOPs tight. Here's how you get your finance tight. Here's how you get your POs tight. Here's how you get your HR tight, your hiring process, the training, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these are critical parts of, of kind of the survivor mode that we, ha we have to be in. By the way, this is not just crazy Steve talking. Um, you know, the, you know, president of Huawei, the, you know, the executives at Apple and Facebook and even Google, you know, they're talking about as there is pressure in the market, there's opportunity, but only for those uh, leaders and CEOs and founders who decide to get their operations tight, right? You, you don't go in with a lot of slop in the gears and come out the other side positive. That's the people who are going to either get left behind, lose market share, or be eliminated completely. When you have kind of operational excellence, you understand your numbers you are going to be able to come out the other side and take market share. That's, you know, Evan and I have been around the block a few times. We've seen the ups and downs of different markets, right? We've watched, you know, I personally, you know, started in the, you know, kind of uh, late 80s, early 90s when there was a, a big recession on. I didn't know. I didn't care. I had to eat, right? I had to survive. And then, you know, you kind of fast forward and then there's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, whether it's, you know, the dot-com crash or 9-11 or the housing crash or what have you, these things come and go. But our businesses can stay strong if we are realistic about the conditions we face, if we are pragmatic about the decisions we make day to day, and then fundamentally, if we kind of help each other, leveraging that experience. The compression algorithm may not exist for experience, but we can access it and jump ahead if we listen to experience. That's, that's kind of the point. So 
Uh, Sun Valley, I know it's a, a sunny background uh, in your real life probably today, unless you're uh, uh, down below the equator, as my friends in <laughs> Brazil and Argentina and Australia are. Uh, but I want you to know today it's nice and sunny in Seattle and, and it's super hot in California. And like this is the end of our summer, but this winter uh, in Sun Valley, we're going to have a great time. And, lots, you know, some people are going to ski on that one of the ski days and some people are going to hang back at the the lodge and just, you know, sit by the fire and, and shoot the bull about business. So that both camps will be well represented. And I sure hope that I see uh, a few of you there. In fact, uh, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, that said, we're not going to have, you know, we, we don't want more than 100 people on site and, and probably not more than 40 VIPs because we want to keep this uh, an area where you can make lifetime connections. You know, as we've done events for Catalyst 88 and, and others uh, along the way, we have built, you know, lifetime relationships with people. And I'm, I'm proud and happy to have those relationships some of those folks I saw in London this past weekend and, and a couple weeks before in Texas. And it's not just the, the ability to get together. It's the ability to help each other and uh, kind of advance our business interests together that makes uh, a cooperative special and it makes our efforts together worthwhile. So, you know, do me a favor. Go to Festivus.live. Grab up your ticket. Uh, the discount codes there for to save you 50% on general admission or VIP. There are limited uses and restrictions apply, blah, blah, blah. Uh, first come, first serve. Uh, grab up the hotel rooms before the rate runs away. So we've got a locked in rate through the end of this month. If you miss it, you miss it. Uh, but I highly encourage you to get it because this is not like Vegas. There's not unlimited space in that town. And then, then sit back and imagine hanging out with, you know, my pal Kevin King and my pal Evan Hackle and my buddy Matt Parker and good friend Travis Ziegler and, and all of these brilliant minds. We're going to be there for, you know, the better part of three days, hanging out in the lap of luxury, food, drink, etc. It's going to be so fun. So if you didn't see the beginning of this, I really encourage you guys to go back uh, at the start and, and, you know, see the beginning so we can, you know, talk about the premise of this. Uh, episode, which was about kind of why did Hero Cosmetics sell for $630 million this week? And why is PharmaPax, you know, uh, in the process of bankruptcy, despite them both having giant businesses? This is a contrast that is worth noting. One other final little nugget for you. Everyone's worried about, you know, deal making and, you know, can things continue on with M&A and blah, blah, blah. I've seen this cycle of deal making happen again and again. Uh, when you bounce around long enough, you you watch these cycles, right? Sometimes the it's the hot side of the cycle and it's just coming up to the peak, and then now it's the downside of the cycle and it's it's a little uh, more soggy. And uh, but there will be a bottom to that too. And even as as you know, this new deal for Hero Cosmetics is kind of the downslope of that uh, cycle. Another deal was announced, uh, I think it was in the last 24 hours, where Channel Advisor uh, has been sold for $660 million to Commerce Hub. So this is another extraordinarily large deal. Um, and, you know, it's a 56% or 55% premium over Channel Advisor's public price. These are big e-commerce moves. So this reinforces we're in the right place. We're in the right industry. 
we've got the access to tools, we've got the access to relationships, and many of those can be facilitated through Empower. So I'm super excited. Uh, Facebook user, uh, I can't see who's who said it, but I'm uh, thankful for your comment. It's going to be the cat's pajamas. Can't wait for Festivus. Uh, and I can't wait to see each and every one of you there. So thanks again for you guys' attention. We will have some Awesomers episodes coming out talking about how you get tight in some of those areas I described earlier and focusing on operational performance on the Empowering Masterminds and some of the other efforts that we're undertaking over the you know Q4 of this year, which uh, for those keeping score, we're just about to kick that off. So thank you, Evan. Thanks everybody for hanging out and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye everybody.